Hey, this is Pastor Dave from Cross Point Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. We are a church on the move to redeem people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can learn more about us by checking out our website at crosspointwestdallas.com. You can watch one of our services by going to our YouTube channel at Cross Point Church West Dallas. More than anything, we'd love to meet you in person and for you to be our guest on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We meet every Sunday at 11,000 West Oklahoma Avenue in the great city of West Dallas. We would love to see you soon. And may God use this message to give power and grace to you today. Good morning. Uh, as Dave mentioned, my name is Matt Helland. I'm one of the elders here at Cross Point, and I have the privilege of giving my very first sermon, which is a privilege. Um, it's an exciting thing. So thank you for all for giving me this opportunity, Pastor Dave and, and the rest of the team. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. I get to embarrass uh, the two best moms that are here. Um, Dave got to have his mom stamp. So my mom is here. You stand up, mom. Come on. <laughs> happy Mother's Day. I love you. Uh, my wife is here as well. You get to stand up too. I usually tell people who have kids for the first time, that I really didn't understand how much, um, how much my mom loved me until I had kids of my own. I tell my wife, you know what? She really did love me. It's a lot of work to be a mom, right? To be a dad is a lot of work, a lot of times even more to be a mom. Uh, so thanks for celebrating Mother's Day with us here today. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we love you, and we, uh, we thank you for this day that we get to ce- celebrate Mother's Um, I just ask that you would speak through me today, Lord. If it's just me, they're empty words from a sinful man. I pray that your word would be proclaimed, that hearts would be changed, um, that we would grow in our faith and grow to love you more and more, that you would be glorified, Father God. Amen. Okay, so we are going through this series called Called to Stand. Um, Actually, mine's called Called to Stand for Truth, but the series is called called by God. And one of the things that I am passionate about, uh, very similar to, to Dave, if you were here for his sermon a couple weeks ago, is this idea of truth and standing for truth. Dave used the word discernment. And Dave did a great job of kind of defining what that means. And I'm going to talk more about the practical side. So I'm going to look at what does this phrase stand of truth mean? Who is called to stand for truth? how we are called to do that, and then most importantly, why we are called to stand for truth. Similar to Dave, we also share a love for public speaking. So we we have that in common. They gave me this little mic thing, which I've never worn before. I told the sound team that it needs to be on mute for when we sing because there's going to be no one sticking around for the sermon if you have to listen to me sing during the the first part of the service. Um, so hopefully, let's, let's talk about this idea, to stand for truth. Hopefully the phrase, take a stand, should start you, you know, thinking of something. To me, it means expressing one's opinions or beliefs in face of opposition. Expressing one's opinions or beliefs in face of opposition. So what I want us to see there is that there is this opposition aspect, right? There's people who, who feel or believe differently than you do. And we face this every day as believers, right? We, we face this every day. They are people who don't follow Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. 
How about truth? I could probably give a whole, Dave could give a whole sermon series on truth, right? We could explore it. We could dive deep into it. And Dave Gustafson did a great job a couple weeks ago about defining that. Uh, I'm not here today to define what truth is, but I want this in the back of our mind. When I talk about truth in this context, I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Basically, everything he is, everything he stands for, everything he proclaims. When we say truth, that's, that's what I mean. But it's not about what I believe called the stand for truth is. It's about what God's word says. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at a passage in 1 Peter, and we are going to explore what it means to be called to stand for truth. But first, what I want us to do is explore the greater context of Peter's letter. He's going to help us get a better understanding of who he's talking to. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip them open. And we're going to explore the context. So who is Peter writing to? What are the circumstances of the people he is writing to? These are going to be important for us to understand the passage when we get to chapter 3, and especially when we look at verse 13, or verse 15. So I'm just going to read the first verse. 1 Peter 1.1. It's not up on your screen, so just listen if you don't have a Bible with you. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So who is Peter writing to? Peter is writing to the elect exiles, it says. What what does that mean? Well, he's writing to the elect. He is writing to Christians. So it's important to know that Peter is writing this letter to Christians. He's also writing to the elect exiles. What's an exile? Good question. An exile is someone who has basically been scattered from their homeland because of what they've believed. Their faith has cost them something. So in this context, Peter is writing to this part of Asia Minor, think kind of where Turkey is today, these Christians who, because of their faith, can no longer live in their homeland and they are exiled to this land. So where they're living is important because they're living in a context of people being opposed to them. They've had to stand up for their faith. Their faith has cost them something. That's who he's writing to. And then we see throughout the rest of 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2, this, a couple themes and a couple messages that stick out that Peter wants to tell these people who are living in a world that is opposed to what they believe. And then his primary message is that, that God has told these people, it, it, there's two themes I want to point out. One is submission And the second is holiness, submission and holiness. So in chapters 1 and 2, Peter reminds the exiles of their general call to holiness, to live holy lives, and he reminds them of their salvation. It would make sense that you would do that, right? Someone who's really struggling to live in the world around them and they're being opposed everywhere they go, to remind them to live holy lives and to remind them to be submissive. Then in chapter 2, we see a, a specific call and an emphasis on submission to the government or emperor as they're living there. Then in verses 18 through 25, there is a specific call for servants being subject to their masters, followed by this beautiful picture in verse 21 through 25 of chapter 2, and I challenge you to read it this week, of Christ being the example of a humble servant and serving us. 
So a couple specific examples. He follows it with one more in, in chapter 3, looking at verse 1 through 7, a call for wives being submissive to their husbands and husbands honoring their wives. So if I were to summarize what Peter is writing in this letter up to the point that, that we're at, when we pick up in, in verse 8, I would say he is instructing, instructing Christians living amongst opposition how to earn the respect of non-Christians by how they live. I'll say it one more time. He is instructing Christians living amongst opposition how to earn the respect of non-Christians by how they live. That's kind of where we're at. And he's given us a couple specific examples um, with wives and husbands, servants and masters, and then everyone to the government. So with that, we are going to jump into our passage, which is 1 Peter 3, 8 through 18. It'll be up on the screen. Um, you can follow along in your Bibles as well. I will be reading from the ESV. Okay, Peter says, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer, suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit." So we're going to focus, I'll read it one more time, on verse 15 today, but we're going to look at the whole passage as well. Verse 15, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So Peter starts out by summarizing who this idea of standing for truth is for. It's pretty, it's pretty clear Right in verse 8, he says, finally, all of you. And this should get our attention. He says, finally, all of you. Because what he's saying isn't just for husbands. It isn't just for wives. It isn't just for servants. It's for everyone. This call to stand for truth, it's something that I am passionate about. It's something the Lord has put, uh, a gift that the Lord has given me. But it's not, what I want us to see is it's not just for me. This is for all Christians everywhere especially for us Christians who are living in a world that is opposed to our views, which is really for Christians everywhere, right? The, the world is, is against us because Christ is for us. So he makes it clear that this is for everyone. But what are his instructions for everyone? He lays them out in the following verses, 
But I believe verse 15, as I mentioned, is a summary of what he wants everyone to do. He wants all of us to honor Christ the Lord as holy and always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks the reason for your hope. These are the things that he wants all of us to do as believers in Christ as Lord. With these two points in the back of your head, we're going to explore the first one, the idea of honoring Christ the Lord as holy. And jumping, we've kind of seen this generally as I laid out in, verse, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, but then verse 8 and 9 helps summarize this. They say, Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. These lay out specific ways that the elect exiles, remember who, who he's writing to, that they can practically live out their call of submission and holiness. And it really summarizes the teaching that, that Peter has been teaching so far. And these make sense if you put yourself in their shoes. Pretend you're an exile living in a country that isn't your country and where everywhere you go people are opposed to your faith. These are ways that, that they should be living. Listen again to what God calls them to. Unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. These things are hard. These things are hard living in a context where people around you agree with you. Right? These are things that we're all called to uh, in, in this world, in this culture that we live in. Put yourself in their shoes. Or better yet, Think of a time when you have been mistreated, when you have gone through, you know, you've been mistreated because of your faith, or not even because of your faith, when you've been mistreated at work, uh, at, for, for some younger ones at school, by friends, by family. We've all been there, right? How did you respond? Was it with unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart? So I thought through, I was thinking through an example in my own life of when I was mistreated. Uh, and I went back to high school to, to think of this example, uh, which is a long time ago now. Um, man, about, so the story is about 18 years old. And the story comes from my senior year of high school. I played a lot of sports in school, um, baseball, basketball, football. I was good at some, and I was not good at others. Uh, football was a sport that I wasn't, I wasn't very good at. And my senior year... Um, I had a chance to be our starting quarterback. Um, I, like I said, I wasn't very good at football, but I, I played it because we had a lot of, a lot of good guys my age, a, lot of, a, a large senior class, so we were looking like we might have a decent team. And I'd have a chance to play a couple different positions here or there. In my senior year, it was looking like I would get to be the starting quarterback. And uh, we, so as the season started, we have a scrimmage with three other teams. And what, usually what happened is the varsity would play the first two scrimmages, and then the JV team would play the third scrimmage. And I was, so I was the quarterback for the first two scrimmages. We were okay. We, we didn't do great. Uh, and then my brother, my younger brother, was two years younger than me. He was a quarterback. He was our backup quarterback. And he, uh, he, he got the scrimmage uh, when we played the other JV team, and I got to play wide receiver. And our team did pretty well. We scored a couple touchdowns playing this other JV team. Um, I think I caught a touchdown. We did pretty well. 
so what happened is uh, Monday, we, we go back to after practice, the coach sits down with me and he says, you know what, I think our team's, you know, I want to build for the future. I think what we're going to do is your, your, your brother, your younger brother is going to be the quarterback. You're going to be our wide receiver. So that was devastating for me, right? That was, that was hard to hear. Um, I, knew I, wasn't, I knew I wasn't great at football, but it was still super hard to hear. And what I did was I submitted to my coach. I said, okay, coach, if that's what you want to do, you know, I disagree with you, but if that's what you want to do, I, I guess what, what can I say, right? You're the coach. Um, but despite that, um, I mistreated our coach. I didn't, I didn't honor him. I didn't show him respect. I was just, I just, I didn't put much effort into football that year. I really didn't try. Well, one of the games, my brother, he actually got hurt. So I was the backup quarterback. If you know anything about football, the backup quarterback is supposed to know all the plays and be ready in the case of emergency, right? So I was out there playing receiver. I had to come in at quarterback. And because of my attitude, I wasn't prepared. I, had no, I didn't even know what half the plays were. I didn't know where I was supposed to go on a running play this way or that way. And it was a mess because <laughs> of my attitude and how I mistreated the coach, right? That's an example of how Peter doesn't want us to live, right? I was not... I did not have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart. I may have submitted, but I didn't have those characteristics. There is a difference between submitting to authority and doing so with a holy, righteous attitude that ultimately points others toward Christ. Remember who this is for. This is for everyone, not just for the elite Christians, not just for those really smart ones. This is for everyone. So Peter's first point is that everyone is called to honor Christ as holy. And the way we honor Christ is with how we live. You might be saying, Matt, but why would, should we live to honor Christ as holy amidst this persecution? Why should we do that? Well, we'll explore that. Hold on to that thought. We'll explore that in a few minutes. Next, Peter goes on to reassure the exiles that they are in the Lord's hands and under his protection. And there is no need to fear those who wish evil upon them. And then we come to verse, uh, verse 15, the second part. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks us of the reason for the hope that is in you. I'm going to break this into uh, a few different points here. And we're going to explore this, this phrase because this really is how we're going to understand what it means to be called to stand for truth. The first thing I want to explore is being prepared. From the passage, we see that being prepared is key to successfully standing for truth. So what I want you to remember here is we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. What we believe and why we believe it. This may seem like an easy thing to some of you. It may seem like an overwhelming thing to others. But this is key. This is a foundation for being able to stand up for what we believe. You can't stand up for something if you, if you don't actually know what it is you believe. For those who are overwhelmed with this thought, there are tons of good resources out there. There's a lot of good books. If you want to spend hours upon hours on YouTube, there are tons of apologetic videos out there. There's great podcasts. Your small group has some wise people in it who can help you here as well. But most importantly... How do we know what we believe and why we believe it? It's God's word, right? Start there. For some of you, this call to stand for truth might be new, 
This is where you need to start. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Next, we see that we, sh- we are going to have to make a defense. The Greek word here is apologia and is translated as the phrase make a defense. It is where we get our English word apologetics from. Now, hopefully I didn't scare anyone off by the word apologetics because some people think that apologetics are only for the super-Christians or only for those people who really like arguing with other people. When they think apologetics, that's what they think. That's not true, right? Who is this for? Everyone, right? This is for all believers. My wife and I teach the high school Sunday school class, and this year our topic is worldview and apologetics. And I should have them come up here and, and repeat the definition of apologetics that we give them week upon week. And it is basically... Uh, what we believe and why we believe it. That's what our apologetics are. It's what we believe and why we believe it. And then making the offense is part of that. So the, I want us to see that these two points, being prepared and making the offense, they're tied together. You can't do one without the other. This phrase also implies that people are going to stand opposed to the things that we stand for. People are going to stand opposed to the things that we stand for. For what place does darkness have with light? For these Christians in exile, making a defense was probably a daily occurrence. They had to stand up for what they believed in amongst persecution and trial. And we are no different. What we believe, the good news of Jesus Christ being the exclusive way to God the Father is offensive to our culture. It's offensive to our world. And I'm, like I said, I'm only, I'm in my, Dave says late 30s. I like to use the word mid-30s. I'm not 40 yet. Um, I'm in my mid-30s, and in my lifetime, I've, se- I've seen a shift. I've seen more and more opposition to Christianity in our world, and in our culture. Because our God never changes, right? That song we sang, he never changes, but the world around us changes. Our God never changes. So there's going to be opposition. Um, I get this Voice of the Martyrs magazine, and I love the hearing what goes on around the world. And there's story after story of Christians who are putting their life on the line for what they believe. We aren't at that point in our country, and we pray that we will never be at that point. Um, but, but that's real. That's out there. And we do face opposition when we stand, when we stand for truth in this world around us. So we need to be prepared and not surprised when those who do not follow Christ stand in opposition to what we believe. Jesus himself warned in John 15, 18, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. So those are our first two points. Be prepared and make a defense. What else can we learn about this call to stand for truth? The third point I want us to see, and this is the kind of the answer to our why question that I posed before. People are going to be asking the reason for our hope. This is directly related to the first three points. If we are honoring Christ the Lord is holy, basically if we, are, if we are honoring Christ with how we live, and if we know what we believe and why we believe it, and we are willing to stand, to take a stand, to make a defense for those who are opposed to our faith, then we get to this point. 
We need all three. These are important. How we live our lives and how it's perceived by those around us matters. If we do one but not the other, we never get to the point where people are asking for the reason for our hope. What I want us to see, and I want to pound in our heads, is this is the why point. This is why we, this is why we stand for truth. We want to get to this point. Amidst facing perse- persecution, suffering, or, or simply living in a culture that is opposed to Christ, living a holy, set-apart life is going to stand out, right? It is going to have people wondering, what's different about that guy or girl? Why, why is he always joyful? It's 2020. The pandemic's going on. I can't go out of my house. How can this guy still joyful? Shouldn't he be repaying evil with evil? When I post that thing on Facebook, shouldn't he like snap back at me and say something mean to me because he disagrees with me? How we respond to the world around us is going to stand out, right? It's going it's, it's to be hopefully having people ask this question. What, where's, what's your hope? How come you're different? What, what's going on? This is, and this is exactly where we want to get people. This is why we are called to stand for truth. It's the whole point. When we get to this point, we have them right where we want them because we get to share the gospel. We get to point people to Christ. We get to tell them that we, serve a, that we have joy because we serve a God who has rescued us from our sins. Our sin has separated us from God. And there's nothing we can do in our own righteousness to to gain God's favor. But God, he sent his son, the God-man, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, who lived that perfect life that we could not live. And he died for our sins. And when we trust in Jesus, he doesn't look upon our sins. He looks upon Christ's, Christ's righteousness and goodness. That's the gospel. That's where you want to get to with people. We want people asking this question so they can see our hope and then we have to be ready and prepared and know where our hope is, right? This is the why. This is why we stand for truth. This is for all Christians. This is for everyone, right? But I don't want us to overlook... that Peter also gives us two warnings as well. The end of verse 3, or sorry, the end of verse 15, he says, Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So the first thing he tells us to do is to do it with gentleness and respect. I'm calling this heed the warnings. The reason I'm saying it is a warning is because Peter knows, as well as you and I do from experience, that it is often hard for people to stand for truth while also being gentle and respectful. Now, what I want us to understand here is that gentleness is not a lack of strength, but it is strength under control. A picture I like to think in my mind or I go back to is me wrestling with my boys. My two boys, Logan and Blake, they love to wrestle. Um, And I think it's a great picture of what gentleness is. Because when I wrestle with them, I could crush them, right? I could break their bones. This could happen every single time. Who does the strength lie with? 
It lies with me, right? But I need to be gentle with him. The same is true when we are called to stand for truth. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Christ with us. We have the hope, right? We just talked about, we have hope. We have all the power. But yet we still need to do this with gentleness and respect. Remember, gentleness is not a lack of strength, but instead strength under control. And where does our strength come from? It comes from God, right? We need to know where our strength comes from. We really don't have to look much further than social media to see the destruction and division that treating others without gentleness and respect can cause, right? There are some of you out there who today, you need this message because you're good at standing for truth, but you're not doing it with gentleness and respect. Why is that a problem? Well, what's the purpose? Why are we standing for truth? We want to get to the point where we can share the hope that is in us, right? If we aren't doing it with gentleness and respect, who's going to want to listen to our message? No one. Gentleness and respect is so important to our message. And Peter wanted the exiles to know that, who were living and facing opposition every day. And as we live in our world and we face uh, viewpoints, opinions, um, at work, amongst our family, wherever it may be that are different than ours, we need to know that we have strength under control. We need to be gentle and we need to do it with respect so that we can ultimately point people to Christ. The second thing I want us to see is he says um, in, in verse 16 that we will be slandered. It says, Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, Notice it doesn't say if you are slandered. It says when you are slandered. So Peter here is implying that taking a stand for your faith, for the truth, for Jesus Christ, is going to cost you something. It costs these exiles something, right? They can no longer even live where they grew up, in their homeland. They can't live there because of their faith. They've been kicked out. They probably were not allowed to get a job there. They had to go somewhere else just because of what they believed. It's not if we will be slandered, it's when. The message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing. Peter is reminding us that if we stand up for truth, there are going to be some people who slander us, who mistreat us. That's what we really mean, right? It's going to happen. But how do we respond when this happens? With gentleness and respect so that people can see the hope that is in with, within us. So hopefully I've done a good job of summarizing what, what Peter calls us to do. And I wanted to put the, these last few points up here to summarize, to summarize it for us. And, and, and we need the big picture here. Because if we do, if we do one without the other there's going to be a hole in how we stand for truth, right? So the first thing I want us to remember is, who's called to stand for truth? Everyone. All Christians are called to this. Some of us, like Dave and I, we're passionate about it. This is something that, that, that lives deep inside of us, and it, it's a gift that God has given us. But that doesn't excuse other people from, from doing this, right? All believers, if our hope and our trust is in Christ, this is what we're called to do. The second thing, honor Christ is holy. How you live, 
your life is a reflection of Christ. If we are living a life that is not um, filled with brotherly love and kindness and gentleness, those words that Peter used, then all these other things aren't going to matter. We're not going to get to that give hope idea. The next thing, be prepared. We talked about knowing what you believe and why you believe it. Some of you need to start here. Some of you really need to ask questions. Are you just, are you just here every Sunday because, you know, it's kind of what you do? Why, 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 why am I here? What do I believe and why do I believe it? Uh, we're also called to make a defense. Know, know that others will stand opposed to what we believe. And ultimately, if I want you to take anything away from this message, it's point number, it should have been five. It was right when I attended and I think it got reformatted. We're called to give hope. That's why we do all these things. That's why we live a life that's different. Is we, want to, we want to give the gospel to people. And ultimately heed the warnings. Because there are some of us, like myself, who are good at standing up for, for what we believe, but we need to be reminded that we need to do it with gentleness and we need to do it with respect. So, I, I came up with uh, a few application questions that we can take away today that will maybe challenge you, will maybe encourage you, and will, and will basically, hopefully, be a self-examination of, of, of what you believe. Hopefully you can read some of these. I'll read them out loud, out loud for, them, for you. First of all, do I think that standing up for truth is for other Christians but not for me? Do I think that standing up for the truth is for other Christians but not for me? Number two, do I know what I believe and why I believe it? Like I said, this is a foundation. Some of you need to start here. Do I know what I believe and why I believe it. Go to, go to this, the Word of God. That's our ultimate resource. Number three. This is a challenging one. If I am never having to make a defense, am I taking a stand for anything? I, uh, this, this question reminded me of my son, Logan. Logan, um, you know, as a parent, it's kind of fun to ask your kid, what, the, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when he's sick, so it changes every three, four months. But recently, if you ask him what he wants to be, it's either like a Lego designer. That's a, that's a common answer. Another common answer is spy. He wants to be a spy. He kind of likes going sneaking around and hiding. And, you know, he, he has fun doing that. Um, is, is, but is that how we are as Christians? Do others around us know what we stand for? Or are we more like a spy? Are we, are we hiding our faith? Is it something that's secret? Number four. Uh, my numbers are off here again, too. <laughs> Number four. When someone says something contrary to what Christ stands for, do I stand up and say anything? Basically, when you're in your workplace, do you stand up when people blaspheme the name of Christ, when they say something that isn't true? Do you do that? Number five, the second one from the bottom. This is, this is a good one. Is it my goal in, in interacting with non-believers to point them to Christ or to win an argument? A lot of us who um, have the gift of standing for truth, 
this is a challenging one for us. It is my goal in interacting with non-believers to point them to Christ or is it to win the argument? You social media people out there, this is a question for you. Are you just trying to win an argument or are you ultimately trying to point people to Christ? Remember, that's our goal, to share the hope that we have within us. And the last one, are my conversations with non-believers filled with gentleness and respect? Gentleness is strength under control. We, can, we have the truth. We have Jesus Christ. That truth never changes. But how do we interact with people? We want to point them towards Christ. So hopefully you will be challenged this week um, that, that God has spoke to you, that, that he has challenged you in this idea of being called to stand for truth. It is for all of us. It is for all believers. And I, I pray that you would take something away from this sermon, that God would challenge you, that he would grow you, um, and that, that you would really be blessed by his word today. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you that you never change, that you are true, that you are holy, that you are our righteousness. That we can live in a world opposed to you um, and stand for you. It's by your power and your strength, Lord. I pray for those um, who need to be challenged just in taking a stand for what they believe. Um, I pray that you would help them do that. Um, for others, Lord, it may be this idea of gentleness and respect, that we would, we would have this, this goal of being, being gentle and respectful to those who, who stand opposed to us. And ultimately, Lord, I pray that we would all, as we interact with people who don't know you, that our heart would be your heart for them to come to the knowledge of the truth that they would be saved. If there's anyone out here today, Lord, who doesn't know you, who doesn't know what truth is, who doesn't know um, that your son died for their, for their sake, and, and no greater love is this, Lord. If, if, that is, if, if that is you, Lord, if that is you, um, just call out to the Lord. Ask for his grace. Ask for his mercy. Come talk to me or Pastor Dave afterwards. We want to point you towards Christ. This is why we are here. Um, to point others to Christ, and to, to build up the faith of those who know him. So help us to do that, Lord. May your word go forth. Uh, we thank you, God, for, for this Sunday, for mothers, for a chance to gather. Um, help us now to go and to be on the move with your word, to stand for, for truth in this world um, that is opposed to you. Amen. I'm going to read First um, Peter as the benediction. So would you rise? And here we are the words from First Peter chapter five, verses six through 11. "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all of your Anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, 
knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Bring everybody. Hey, Pastor Dave, thanks again for listening to this message. We want you to know that what you just heard is a glimpse of what happens on Sunday mornings, but you know, the church is so much more than what happens on a Sunday mornings. Coming to a service is, is just a slice of who we are and what God is doing in and through us. So we would love to get to know you and let you get to know us. And maybe the best way to do that is come to one of our services, but you can also go to our website and fill out a contact form and one of our pastors will follow up with you very shortly. Until then, we hope you have a great day and thanks again for listening.